the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into our third hour this Thursday, January 13, 2022. So much to talk about. We've been mostly focused on what the Supreme Court did today. Uh, and I'm giving it uh, one and a half cheers out of a possible three. Yair in Phoenix is weighing in. Yair, welcome back. How are you, man? Happy New Year. I'm good. How are you, Seth? I'm doing fine. Thank you. Good. I want to, first of all, uh, again, I feel compelled to commend you for uh, your comments before the break for not uh, missing the forest for the trees, as they say, for oh, not taking uh, the, the partisan tribal uh, red meat and, and seeing the bigger picture. I think one of the, the great successes of your show is that you have for years uh, argued that it's the war that needs to be won, not the individual battle. That's you right. have argued to view politics as a, as a holistic, single-body politic rather than an individual branch. You know, and your audience well knows, that uh, the separation of powers is often muddied. Uh, you uh, have, as an example, a Republican uh, senator. Uh, let's just say there's a vacancy. They retire or something happens to them. Well, it may be a Democratic governor that nominates their replacement yep. until there's a runoff election. Yep. Uh, it is the executive branch which nominates the judiciary, and then the Senate the, confirms. Right. So there is this whole uh, sort of overlap between the branches of government. Three, and I, three again, wheels operating ideally in some kind of concurrence, and yes, right, yes. Absolutely, right. absolutely. And I commend you for, for encouraging your listeners to look at uh, politics holistically, uh, and recognizing that it's since politics is, as they say, downstream of culture, to win the culture war uh, before you win just the political war. And so you don't have to be as reactionary as we see the Democrats. And if you may allow me, I want to make an example that I saw that I just listened to on your show a few days ago. I will if you'll allow me a response to what you just said. Please, <laughs> but I don't want you to forget your point. So take a moment Please. to remember your point. I know it'll be a good one, knowing knowing you. I'm guided by two things on what you. It was very nice of you to say what you said. I'm. Uh, it's not because of uh, anything I came up with. I'm guided by two principles. Um, in in understanding that the you know a short term victory is not the end of the war. Uh, that when you jump for joy, make sure no one's you know removing the ground from befo- below you. Uh, one of them is from Abraham Lincoln, who, after the Battle of Gettysburg, when his uh, general wrote him, at least we chased the enemy off our territory, he turned to his secretary, John Hay, and said, when will my generals ever understand it's all our territory? That's principle one. It's all our territory. Second, Montesquieu. Montesquieu, who the founders uh, read assiduously, made a very, very valuable and often forgotten point. It was in the laws of war, but we apply it to the laws of politics. And he said, if a country falls because of a loss of a battle, the question really should be, what were the conditions of the country that could lead it to falling from the loss of one battle? 
we really have to have integrity here. And by integrity, I mean it in its naval original sense. Airtight. We have to be airtight on this stuff. Our founders were. We should be nothing less. That's all I wanted to say. Go ahead, Yair. You're exactly right. What you are describing is the difference between the values that you espouse now and, for example, the the flip-flopping that we see the Democrats, for example, trying to oust the filibuster. That's just a reactionary, quick move. It's a single chess move. They're not seeing... The, the broad, the long, the long game. Right. The example I was going to cite, sure. you, I was listening to your show just a few days ago. I forget the name of the, of the guest escapes me, but he was talking about NATO uh, and the, oh, the might uh-huh. that we may flex. Mm-hmm. And one of the examples that he gave, or one of the suggestions, I should say, that he gave, whilst I agreed with almost everything he said, he said, uh, just as an example, just as an, in a passing comment, that we ought to provide nuclear weapons to Poland. Now, you and I both know that currently Poland, under uh, the tutelage of Andrzej Duda, is perhaps an, uh, an ally, albeit they've made many uh, commitments to China. And have, it, and it's not what it more. was, say, five, six years ago. It's not the same. Correct. Yeah. Correct. They, they, they've touted the Belt and Road Initiative with yep. China. Notwithstanding, he suggested, and I think he would say this under Duda, he probably would not have said this under President Komorowski, but he said that we should give them nuclear weapons. Right. Now, the, 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 I think that's an example of the reactionary yeah. thing that one ought to do. Yeah. Perhaps the more prudent thing to do is to not elect presidents who are beholden to China right. and, and, and weakened and thus need to provide nuclear weapons to only temporary allies. And so, again, I hearken back to your assertion that the bigger picture, uh, that the country as a whole, it's, it's to, the totality of its strength, not just winning one branch. It, uh, it means nothing if we, for example, take the House back in right. 2022, if, they, if a Democratic governor can just nominate somebody to replace a vacancy. Or if, if we take we, the House back with people we have convinced ourselves are conservatives because they've convinced us they're conservatives, but they aren't really. Exactly. Exactly. Win the culture war. Yeah. Win the war, the kitchen table war, the hearts and minds. Earn the respect of the families, the taxpayers, the people that actually, the underwriters of this country. And you don't have to win a single war during a single electoral campaign during a single year. Right. You win the, the, the hearts and minds of the citizenry. And to use your word, then you have an airtight country. Yeah. I agree with all of that. And there's one other point I want to make, your invocation of Poland in defense. It's a funny thing about the American mind. It doesn't focus much on foreign policy and international relations come elections time. It doesn't really ever focus on foreign relations and international relations until a crisis hits. And it's something I have uh, I've tried to change in my limited capacity to do so. I think it is so darned important. And 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 you can change for the worse things within the course of one year that you have to live with for a generation. I want people to focus for a moment on the first year of Barack Obama's presidency. Think about two massive foreign policy foreign policy crises we still live with because by dint of his actions in just one year. You mentioned one, Poland. They were they were totally on our side before he became president. We had a missile, missile defense initiative with them that he yanked from them in 09 and no one cared about it. No one said a thing about it except the polls and the checks by the way. Right? No one said a thing about it. 
That was point one. The other what the other thing he did in 09, all of this we are still now living with these consequences because we don't pay enough attention to these things. Was he yanked from under uh, under their feet the organic, very rare in history to find organic revolutionary moments, very rare. He yanked from under their feet the revolutionary moment in Iran that stood at the precipice of overthrowing its malocracy, and he reinstantiated yeah. that malocracy, a problem we had lived with for 30 years and we are living with today. The leading number one terrorist state in the country could have been an ally of ours, but for one sentence of Barack Obama's, one sentence, and it changed everything. And, you know, we we tend not to focus, when we think about national leadership, uh, yeah, you're, we don't think often about foreign policy, but we should. And I remind people, especially conservatives who still honor Ronald Reagan, as they all should, there wasn't a speech he gave, not a one, where he didn't talk about the threat from communism in the Soviet Union. Not a one. Not a one. You are 100 percent accurate. The failure to nurture what has been referred to as the Green Revolution in Iran is, I agree completely, an absolute catastrophic failure, not only of the moment and of his presidency, but to your point, for, for decades to come. And I think that you're, what you're highlighting in our inability to see, to play the long game with yep. regards to foreign policy, yep. I think it's almost a cultural issue rather than just a political issue. Yep. You know, the average person doesn't can their food anymore, and they're the ones caught flailing at the grocery store for toilet paper because they haven't thought of the long game. Right. Only, only when that, if you look at that analogy in the lens of foreign policy, only when it's knocking at their door do they look at their wife and say, hey, have we planned for this? No. By Americans thinking of what's in their own best interest and which political, you remember what you just said about Ukraine, none of that happened. Our, Putin's incursions into Georgia, right. uh, it, it, that didn't happen under Trump. No. It only happened under Obama right. and Biden right. for a reason. Right. And so my, my, uh, my suggestion to your caller of a few days ago would be that there's no need to arm people with nukes right. if you have a robust uh, house in order, as you said. And so thinking of things in those long terms, what benefits us? Oh, in the house long in order term? is such a great point, Yair, because another Obama problem we are still living with. Think about this. Remember the famous uh, almost everyone remembers the famous red line he drew with regard to Assad in Syria. If he were to use chemical mm -hmm. and biological weapons, he said we'd be crossing a red line. And of course they did it. But everyone had the attention on the wrong thing. The thing isn't that he said it and didn't follow through Obama. The thing is, he said it and Assad knew he could get away with it. That's the thing that people don't it. understand. What were the conditions in Assad's brain that led him to think Obama is a paper tiger? The very conditions he knew better than most Americans. You got it. Keep it up, sir. You Good too, work. Yair. Bless you, sir, and thank you for everything. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. Joe Biden's new polling number is 33 percent. That's a dangerously low number for a president. I don't think I don't think I'll be willing to be corrected. I don't think Donald Trump ever went below 40. But to be at 33 percent after your first year in office, it, it, it kind of tells me something about the American people. Uh, this is a Quinnipiac poll. People tend to respect Quinnipiac. You know, you don't live and die by these things, but 
It's one of the polls that people respect. It's not some poll you've never heard of. Um, it tells me something I sort of suspect, and I'd love your feedback on this, because it matches. There's another poll we'll have that about from uh, about Arizonans from my friend George Kaloff at the Resolute Group. He'll be on to talk about it tomorrow, showing that that roughly in the 20-somethings is the same number in Arizona you get for a lot of the social policy nonsense, transgender stuff we've been reading about uh, and fighting against. You get about 29, some on average, about 29% supportive of those kinds of crazy policies. It tells me that there's probably, honestly, about a third of the country, a third of the country that is by default pretty hardened leftward. That's pretty dangerous, by the way. A third is not nothing. It's not the majority, thank God, but it ain't nothing. And you have to think about that's that that's certainly one conclusion I think one could reasonably draw. There's another conclusion that is harder to draw, but might be equally plausible. And it makes you ask, who are those 33 percent that think this is a good presidency? Who are those 33 percent? Now, I know when we when we when we dissect polls, we often answer we often will say, well, who answers these pollsters questions? And ideally, uh, the better pollsters, you know, they talk to um, not just registered voters, but likely voters and do a pretty good job of getting to people who actually know something about current events, something. But if you default, even without knowing much, if you default to thinking about a third of this country thinks Joe Biden is doing a good job, why why would it why would you think that unless you are blind to everything you see your fellow citizens going through and this country going through right now? If, including after today, including after today, there, there was no – there was no – I hate to use this word, mandate, because it, it's, it's being used in too many places. There was no energy uh, – impetus, catalyst. There was no impetus, catalyst, or energy to push Joe Biden to enforce this once – novel mandate on American businesses and employers. No one had said he should do this except the hardest of the left. And he, during the campaign, said he wouldn't do it, said he wouldn't do it. When he came to be the president of the United States, he started scolding us, didn't he? He started scolding the unvaccinated. And he was going to make sure that he would do everything he can using the powers of government and the powers of your paycheck. Think about that. The choice of your job or your or getting a vaccine that you may not want. He was willing to set the entire apparatuses of the government against you. To fo- and there was there was no big call for him to do this. As I say, he said he wouldn't do it during the campaign. And you only heard it from the most hardened of the left. We need to force Americans to do this. We need to force Americans to comply. We need to force Americans to do this. On top of which, as the Supreme Court decision 
points out, and as the Fifth Circuit decision below it, the first court, the federal court of appeals that, that held unconstitutional this mandate pointed out, there needs to be some kind of relationship we call it a rational basis test there in law. There needs to be some kind of relationship between the efficacy of what you are trying to achieve and the modes and methods you are going about to achieve it. There needs to be a tie that relates to some kind of common sense. And when you go around and look at the states or the communities or, I don't know, your households or your businesses, for that matter, of those who did everything quote-unquote right, masked, vaccined, you know, uh, isolated businesses shut down, uh, the, whole, the whole shebang, the whole shebang. You don't find, you simply do not find the argument that what Joe Biden was pushing in those vaccine mandates was going to save a single life in this country or stop a single transmission in this country. Think about the hospitals right now. Think about it. I'm going to go back to this because this is this is the highlight of the absurdity we are forced to live with. Just as Vaclav Havel said in that 1978, there's that year again, 1978 essay. We're just forced to say things like workers of the world unite. He talks about the greengrocer who had, who feels compelled to put gro- workers of the world unite in his window, not because he necessarily believes it, but because he knows he has to to communicate to the world that, yeah, we're OK here. We're communist kosher here, so to speak. Think about think about what Joe Biden was proposing in this. And what would have resulted if we had done it? What would have resulted if we had done it? And think about what the healthcare industry is going through right now over this. You have to be vaccinated to go to work at a hospital. You have to be vaccinated to go to work at a hospital. But, but if you're vaccinated and have COVID, you can still go to work. Okay, if you had covid, which every study says gives you more immunity than a vaccine, if you've had covid and you're unvaccinated, you cannot go to work. This is the same exact kind of joke and nonsense people in the Soviet Union went through and talked about government orders of it. How does Hadley Arcus put it? What's his expression? Exquisite conscientious orders of meaninglessness, meaninglessness, the focus on the detail that has no relationship to anything like a positive outcome. Why? For the sake of control. Why? For the sake of self-satisfaction. Well, control and self-satisfaction, those are the emblems of the tyrant. And when there is zero connection to the outcome you are trying to achieve, you know you are in the midst of the demagogues, which is exactly what our founders feared. You start with demagoguery, you end with tyranny.
Um, Kristen Cinema, uh, senator from Arizona, uh, killed today the uh, effort to change the filibuster and cloture rules of the U.S. Senate, which makes it highly unlikely that Joe Biden is going to get the voting um, changes, the law, the election reform uh, changes that he campaigned for uh, in Georgia uh, the day before yesterday, sliming half the American people is siding with Bull Connor. Think, think about that. <laughs> think about think about the notion that Biden was propounding with these election reform laws he wants uh, wanted the Senate to take up. Think about what he's saying, that unless we engage in these reforms, we are going to continue to be living under Jim Crow 2.0. That's what he said. We are going to be denying people the right and access to vote. Do you really think he means that or do you think he's just saying that or uh, the obvious thing is he's just saying what was put in front of him? Do you really think he means that? This in the temperament and era where anyone who questions the legitimacy of the 2020 election, if they're a Republican, is a racist, bigot, white supremacist, un-American human being. Is he questioning the legitimacy of his own presidency? The laws he uh, he is saying we must pass for election integrity and election reform, the laws he is telling us we must pass lest we continue to devalue, denigrate the vote in America, were not in place in 2020 in the election where he succeeded to the presidency. And what of Nancy Pelosi's election and speakership? And what of Chuck Schumer's? Were all of these elections and votes to reelect them in that case and elect him in his case, were they based on a fraudulent election system that suppressed the vote and denied the vote based on race and fraudulent laws meant to keep people from voting? Is that what he's saying? We do this from time to time, and it takes a minute or two. I think it's important. There are going to be, there already are, ads on TV against Kirsten Cinema, ads from the left. There is going to be a lot of incoming to her office from emails, people who have time to write letters and phone calls. It's very easy for her to get the message that she did the wrong thing. Now, she seems pretty independent-minded. But, boy, it's hard to take that day after day after day, no matter how strong you are. Do this country a favor. Take a minute, maybe two, not more, and send her office an email and give her a phone call and tell her at a girl. Say thank you. Thank you for keeping the Senate from trampling on our rights. Thank you for keeping the Senate from trampling on the rights of the majority of Americans and the minority of Americans. Thank you for letting the Senate not be railroaded by the passions of the time. Send her that message. 
let her know that her efforts are not in vain. Over at Powerline, John writes, the death knell for the Democrats' attempt to make election integrity illegal came today as Kirsten Sinema announced on the Senate floor she will not vote to suspend the filibuster. Her speech was excellent. It is notable that everything she said was identical to what Joe Biden, Chuck Schumer, and every other Democratic senator said about the filibuster last time the Democrats were in the minority. It is remarkable that consistency has become such a rare virtue in Washington, or at least in the Democratic Party. Oh, sure, let her know you disagree with her on 98% of the things. But tell her you respect this kind of Democrat who we didn't think existed anymore. Tell her that. Doesn't mean you have to vote for her. I would not urge you to vote for her. We have a lot of time before you'll have that chance to vote for her. Things can change, of course. But tell her you support her. Let her know she is not all alone here. It'll take a couple minutes. You'll feel better. She'll feel better. It's worth it. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Mark's in Phoenix. Hi, Mark. Hey, how are you tonight, Seth? I'm doing just fine. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. I had just gotten in the car before the break and heard you encouraging people to call our good Senator Kirsten. Sinema. I think so, and yeah. I think she deserves a call. I think she deserves well, an atta you know girl. I, I had already sent her two emails today telling her that she did a fine job. Um, and you know what? She needs that encouragement because I, I don't know if you've seen the nastiness of the Keith Obermans, the Lawrence O'Donnells, yeah. and the Jennifer Rubens of the world just telling her that she's despicable. Um, so she has to hear from the rest of us that she did a good job. Yeah, see, that's right. And that's important because you rattle off those names, Mark, and these are names that a lot of conservatives will shrug their shoulders and dismiss and say those idiots. But here's the problem. The problem is the left listens to those idiots and follows their marching orders. And they're going to be getting Absolutely. those same the same the same importunations I'm giving to you to call her. They're given to their people to call her. And uh, right. they pr- they probably have a bigger audience, <laughs> quite honestly. Well, well, I'm sure they do, and that's most unfortunate. I mean, I I write to our senators regularly. I've uh, I've sort of given up on uh, the one, but I think Kirsten is at least going to do the right thing, and she'll listen to uh, what we want rather than listen to the folks within her party. So uh, I would. Just like to re-echo your yeah no I think I yeah absolutely absolutely it doesn't mean you have to vote for her it doesn't mean you send her money it doesn't mean any of that just let her let her get through the day knowing not everyone is chasing her into a bathroom every time she has to show up in public um, you know right. it, 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 I mean I I even went as far though as to tell her that if she keeps up this good work that I might even vote for her next time well there you go I mean let her know that <laughs> hold it out there because that's what we want. That is what we I also, want. I also told her if she if she continues down the path that she has been, and I'm, I'm very proud of her, that she might even become a Republican. Someday. Well, obviously, right? <laughs> I mean, that's so much the point. If we if she knows, look, here's the here's the serious point you're making. If she knows that the territory is okay to do this, even from time to time, if she knows that, then she'll do more of it. Ideally, yeah. oh, ideally, yep. I mean. There's no real percentage 
in her doing this just out of, you know, the idea that she wants to put a thumb in the eye of her caucus. There's no real percentage in that for her. But if, you know, John, John over at uh, Powerline was saying, you know, I'm not sure if she's, um, you know, I'm not sure if she's in sync with the national mood of the Democratic Party or not. She's probably pretty close to in sync with the mood of Arizona Democrats. Probably she is. But Arizona Democrats writ large are not the shouters. They're not the following her into the bathroom types. They're probably not. Now, what they do is they enable that, obviously, because they vote the D-line all the time. But if she knows that she has as much support for what she did today as she doesn't, if she knows that, you're right, Mark. I mean, most people do convert from left to right when there's a political conversion. Not always and not everywhere. And we've seen examples. You even mentioned one. Jen Rubin is an example to the contrary. So people do move sometimes from right to left. More often they move from left to right. Let's make her feel welcome. Well, I, that's what I did today. So I would encourage the rest of your. I'm glad you did it. I'm really glad. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did. It's so easy. It's so easy to do. Yeah. What did it Just, take you it, about a minute? A couple. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. A couple minutes at most. Um, yeah. So, okay. Well, great. Keep up the good work. Thanks for thinking maturely about this, Mark. Tim in Phoenix. Hello, Tim. Seth Leeson, how are you? I am fine, Tim X. <laughs> now listen, yes, sir. I am going to pull off of your intellect and make a request of you Uh-oh. to put up on your page on on the uh, Patriot website. Okay. What I encourage people to do is just like you are. You are encouraging, and your last caller said it. He sent an email supporting Kirsten Cinema's, uh, you know, support on the filibuster because she doesn't want it to be used against the Democrats later on should they change the rule in any event right i encourage people not only to write a letter of support for senator cinema but write the letter of support and title it or late or or start it out with to the honorable blank blank Uh ranking member of the committee that she serves on i believe it's the uh veteran services committee okay veteran yeah in any event i'm looking it up now i'll I'll try and look it up quickly okay I can't remember. It's not because Levin and Takano, those are in the House. In any event, uh, make sure that they're writing these letters, not just to Senator Cinema, because that's great, but, you know, they bank them and they, you know, it is what it is. Mm-hmm. Write these letters, send them as a PDF attachment to the email of the chief of staff to the ranking member oh, nice. on the committee, as well as nice. the Democrat, yeah. the, the chair of each committee, and all other members. The reason I say the ranking member, a.k.a. the Republicans, yep. is... They will read it yep. into the record yep. when the committee meets. Nice. Now they're not going to they're not going to mention the the writer's name, but what it shows is that there is bipartisanship uh, on on the committee because that's what a lot of people don't want to talk about. They don't want to talk about cinema's support for the Republicans, but we can get it on the record. And I think that when you get it on the record. The Democrats go crazy. They start itching their back and, you know, running in the trees and stuff like that. But the reason I'm, I'm calling on you, Seth, is that maybe you can put a sample letter. I like what, what you're like doing. Okay, yeah. so here's how it works around here. Come I'm on. just yeah. a lowly scrivener yeah. here. But I can do yeah, a shout-out to Jim and Gene and a yeah. few others who have those powers There you go. <laughs> just, like, show, show the listeners yeah. what an official letter okay. looks like. Okay. To the honorable blank. And then they can start emailing the committee members Good. 
and let's get this on the board because at the end of the day, she's a very smart woman, and she is self-preserving. Yeah. And she's going to win her next election because of what she's doing today. That's probably right, Tim. That's probably right. It's a really good yes, suggestion. Sir. Let me talk with uh, the Jays in this office, the Jims and Jeans, and see if we can do something like that. Yeah. I appreciate it. Now, you tell them if they disagree with you, they call me. They call Tim in Phoenix. All right. Yeah. All right, brother. You Bless have you, my sir. email. I'll talk to you soon. All right, yes, brother. Sir. Good. Wouldn't you have loved to have been in that concert? My gosh. Well, depending. <laughs> yeah, not if the concert were at Folsom Prison or San Quentin. Was the story? Was it Waylon Jennings who was at one of his concerts and said, man, that was a great band you had up there, but not as good as when we were, uh, we were at San Quentin, or rather not as good as when we were at Folsom Prison. And Johnny Cash said, I don't remember you being in the Band at Folsom Prison. He said, I was not in the audience. <laughs> I think I have that pretty close to right. I had mentioned um, briefly a few moments ago, was it with Yair or someone, uh, the essay by Vaclav Havel from 1978, The Power of the Powerless. The Power of the Powerless. If you have time, it's worth reading. First, write Kirsten Cinema. Then, if you have leftover time, <laughs> read Vaclav Havel's 1978 piece uh, that I I gave reference to uh, just a little bit earlier. It's about living a lie, and it's about living a lie in a totalitarian state as well as in a post-totalitarian state. I just want to leave you with two thoughts of his in that essay. He writes, individuals can be alienated from themselves only because there is something in them to alienate. Think about that for a moment. Think about how important the human being is every individual. We kind of take ourselves as a polity for granted. But think about what you're giving when you give a vote, when you give a speech on behalf of someone. And then think about what it means for a government to take from you truth. If the main pillar of the system is living a lie, he writes, then it is not surprising that the fundamental threat to it is living the truth which is why it must be more suppressed more severely than anything else. Think about that. Thank you, Vaclav Havel. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Class dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.